Hi everyone, my name is Miriam Barada, and once again you're listening to The Student Corner by Snowcap. Thanks so much for tuning in this week for another episode of our leadership series. As usual, I'm very excited to announce our guest. All right, everyone, and today with me I have Sheree Gupta, who is our special projects manager. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sheree. Do you mind giving us a quick introduction into who you are? Sure, of course, Miriam. So hi, everyone. My name is Sheree Gupta. I'm a recent graduate of Carnegie Mellon University. I studied chemical and biomedical engineering there with a concentration in cellular and molecular biotechnologies. I'm currently a production engineer for Procter & Gamble. And here at Snowcap, I manage all the special projects. So any initiatives or anything we have that don't fall into a set category, I take over and I drive the forward progress on those projects. Wow, great. Thank you so much. That When you were just listing out your majors and what you were studying, that was a mouthful. So wow, congratulations on graduating. Um, just from the sound of it, did not sound easy. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it was a time, a lot of, a lot of hours, a lot of weekends uh, devoted to schoolwork. But, you know, once you commit to something, you got to see it through. Yeah, definitely. Well, you did just that. Congratulations. And you're all done now. So good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. So moving forward um, to get a little bit deeper into the special projects manager role. So I think with this position, it's kind of interesting because as you mentioned, you kind of take projects that don't necessarily fit into any of the other branches of leadership that we have here at Snowcap. So could you give us a little bit more information about how you actually ended up in that position? Yeah, of course. It's it's kind of funny because Obviously, this kind of role never really existed in Snowcap. It wasn't a predefined role that I sort of stepped in and backfilled for someone else. Mm-hmm. It was a role that was created to kind of fit the need of what I could provide. Gotcha. Uh, what happened was, yeah, what happened was uh, when we used to have uh, Samantha uh, here as one of our editors, she'd asked me if I wanted to move up and join leadership because of the sort of the dedication that I'd shown to the group. And I was flattered at first and I said, sure, but there was no initial spot for me. But the reason why I was called special projects manager was because I began driving the initiative on fundraising oh. uh, through the Snowcap merch that we have. And so since that didn't fall into any one specific category, we just named it a special project. And so that's kind of how the role came to be. And now it's grown into from the merch fundraising to looking at creating the Slack bot, which is another work in progress, to the most recent one, which I'm driving, which is sort of the internal reorganization of our structure on Google Drive. And that's actually super cool. I didn't know at the time. Um, I remember when the merch came out, the hoodies and the shirts. And I think at the time I was still a junior contributing writer. So I didn't really have much knowledge on like the leadership structure, kind of who was doing what. But I had no clue that you were behind the merch. It was amazing. You did a great job. Thank you so much. I mean, to be fair, I had also just come out of being a junior contributing writer myself. Um, I had just reached that mm. stage. And so since I think since Sam was planning on leaving and we were having some shifts in the organization, we needed a few more people in leadership. And so she very kindly thought of me and asked me if I wanted to step up and take the role. And I was more than happy to. Yeah, that's awesome. That's definitely, I think, Sometimes, especially students, will underestimate that, you know, not every organization 
will have such clear-cut roles and be unable to kind of move out of those parameters. So the fact that, you know, a role like this kind of emerged because it was clear that you were someone who was dedicated to Snowcap and you had something to offer is honestly so interesting. I always find it just so different when someone has a position like this that was kind of, you know, created out of necessity rather than just following, um, you know, a kind of typical structure. Yeah, no, I agree. And it was it was great because unlike some of the other roles, I kind of have more freedom to choose what I want to do. And if there isn't something to choose from, I can, you know, brainstorm and maybe look at something that other people may not have thought of or may not have had the time to. And that's kind of where the reorganization project came. No one really had the time or had the resources to look into how to reorganize our Google Drive per se. And well, that's a minor thing. It can really help with our productivity as a whole. So being the special projects coordinator and manager, it's something that I could, you know, pretty easily take up and dedicate my time and resource to. Absolutely. And since in this role, like you said, you're able to kind of brainstorm the kind of ideas that you would like to put forth or have, you know, a little bit more control over what it is that you dedicate your time to, what do you think has been your favorite project that you've worked on thus far in this position? Favorite project has to be the merch fundraising for sure. I mean, I did a lot of that when I was in school. I was uh, I was actually leading a lot of that for some of the organizations I was a part of in school. So doing it again was almost like sort of reliving the good times. It was something I enjoy, something I could do pretty well. And it turned out to give us some pretty good turnout in the end. So everyone now here can proudly represent that they're a part of Snowcap. And on the other end, uh, Snowcap now has a little bit more funding to keep doing what we do best and uh, support our students and our and our contributing writers. Yeah, definitely. And I have to say, I absolutely love the merch. Um, I got a hoodie myself and I loved it. I thought it was perfect. But I have to say, (laughs) I am not someone who can wear white um, (laughs) confidently. (laughs) It was definitely a stay-at-home kind of a sweatshirt for me just because I did not trust myself. But absolutely loved it. I think you guys, you smashed it. Not you guys. This was you behind it. You absolutely smashed it. So great job on that. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well. I know. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll take that as a consideration. Next time I'll make the hoodies black. Oh my gosh. No, I, the white is so nice. I think that this is a me issue. I don't think it's like a <laughs> general, like spanning the organization kind of a concern. I think it's definitely a personal one, <laughs> but I still fair. made it That's work. Fair. Yeah. Next time, you know, next time we'll see if we, if we can get more people involved, we'll offer multiple colors. Oh, that would be awesome. I yeah. would, I would wear the heck out of a black one. Um, with confidence. So Good to know. Good to know. So I kind of also wanted to give um, some of our listeners kind of a little bit of insight into what are some of the skills that you really leave Snowcap with? So I was wondering, what are some of the skills that you've developed while at Snowcap moving from a junior contributing writer into your current role within the leadership team? Yeah, I mean, there there have been a few. Uh, I mean, commitment and dedication for sure. It's not always easy to make some of the meetings, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes if you can't make them, you got to make sure that you're still doing the work regardless, right? Because I made a commitment and I made a promise to the organization to keep going. Um, that's sort of more if you want to call the social, personal ones. I've picked up some technical skills as well, which is crazy. Oh, wow. The Slack bot, that was, that's straight Python. <laughs> I spent hours and hours and hours just looking at Python modules and Python codes to see how to create a Slack bot in Python. 
And it works. It's not completely flushed out. And I've taken some time off of it because things have gotten hectic, but it works if it, it's in the channel. So some of the channels, if you if you say the right prompts, it'll it'll respond back to you within a second. And that took a lot of time, dedication, learning, just to sit there and revisit some very old Python tools that I haven't used since I graduated. I've picked up a lot of technical and a lot of uh, social personal skills while, while being at Snowcat for sure. Wow. I mean, building a Slack bot, I truthfully am not sure what goes into that. Um, but I do have my fair share of experience with Python, and I take my hat off to you because it is not easy. Um, I definitely struggled like crazy doing all the coding classes for um, during my MBA. So hats off to you for doing it on your own and kind of revisiting your coursework. That's insane. But I mean, it must also feel so rewarding. I feel like coding kind of reminds me of like solving a really hard math problem, you know, when it works, it's just <laughs> so much more satisfying than doing other kinds of work. <laughs> oh, I can agree 100%. I'd grovel with you more over this, but I really think our viewership would drop if all they heard was technical Python for the next 20 minutes. Okay, but well, it, we will it spare is, you. It is rewarding. Yeah, it is no, rewarding, it is. no doubt. It's tough. It's very much so a love-hate relationship with me. I think for me, I don't want to say hate, but it definitely doesn't lean towards like. So. You know, it is what it is, but the fact, (laughs) yeah, I think most people, I think even like software engineers can kind of agree with that, but (laughs) yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough one, but that's super impressive that you were able to, you know, refine and leverage those skills to actually build something for Snowcap. That's, I mean, especially now in this economy and job market, having any kind of coding skills or experience with Python, especially on a project like this must be invaluable. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is. I haven't had to use it yet for, for my current role and job that I work on outside of Snowcap. But it, even if I don't use, let's say, Python per se, the, the mindset that you get from coding, yeah. that is still invaluable regardless. That sense of logic, that sense of proceeding step by step, it's still a very valuable mindset and a very valuable skill to have in the workplace regardless. Oh, I definitely agree with you. I think that that's one of those things that is really hard to be taught. I'm not even really sure if you can be taught it. It's something that, you know, you kind of just need to experience by doing something like you did, dedicating yourself to a project and kind of, you know, putting yourself all in to try and get those results. So couldn't agree more. So moving on, we've done, you've done some cool things at Snowcap, picked up a couple of skills. And I was wondering, why is it that you've continued to work with Snowcap, um, especially past graduation? I mean, I don't see a reason to leave. Uh, people <laughs> I are feel great. the same way. I enjoy what I do. Yeah, right. Like, the only reason you ever leave or give up on something is because you don't enjoy it anymore or someone's giving you a reason to go. I haven't found that here. I have found every reason to stay. I found every reason to care for the organization and watch it grow. Uh, I Even outside of being special projects managers, I'm trying my best to recruit writers as well, get more people to join, see the benefit of being a part of the organization. Because there are a lot. I mean, it's very difficult to get published in general, but for someone, for someone to be able to do that at not that much expenditure to them, sorry, not that much expenditure to them and for them to do do it for something they love, writing about whether it's finance, STEM, medicine, whatever they want, that's that's amazing. So, I mean, I know I was very grateful to be published. And so I feel like it's time for me to give back and help the organization grow and give more and more people that opportunity. 
I definitely agree with you. I think I feel exactly the same for why I stuck around. And, you know, that being said, what advice would you give someone who's considering joining the organization? Your first article is going to be a lot of fun because it's going to be new and exciting. Yes. Keeping up with the commitment is going to seem like a chore at some point, but it's worth it because in the end, you can look back when you're four, five, eight articles in, you can look back at your work and you can say, you can really, you can say, you know what, I'm proud of the work I did. You can be, you can be happy. You can be proud. You can have some pride in the fact that you spent some time looking into something that was important to you. And it's out there for anyone to read, anyone to look at. And it's something that you can look back at pride because of the team that we have here, the editors, publishers, everyone working together to make sure that what you're putting out is the best work that you can possibly put out. So it's something to, something to look at with pride, actually, more than anything else. And it may not seem like that at first or when you're in the middle of writing an article and you have writer's block, but you look back at it and you see all those articles written with your name on it, your name and no one else's. It's something of a factor of pride and something to be very proud of. So I would recommend joining it just for that reason alone, to be able to have something to take pride in and something to be proud of. That's very true. You know, I think, especially as a college student, it's really hard to kind of, you know, really create something of your own and kind of put it out there into the world. And Snowcap was really my first time experiencing that. So when it comes to writing articles, having to actually take the time to think about what I want to write about and then noticing that it's out there for the world to see is definitely a humbling moment, but also very prideful where you're right. You do feel super proud of yourself saying, you know, I took time out of my day. I made time in my schedule to do something that I care about. And I get to actually see the results of it and get to say that I was published. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you're right. I, I should have mentioned that as well. It is humbling because, I, at least for me, it was because I've done research in labs and I've never had the opportunity to get published. But now now having that opportunity, it was humbling, but it was something that I also took a lot of pride in and something I was very happy to dedicate my time and effort to. Yeah, absolutely. And now actually focusing a little bit more on you and your career, if you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I was wondering what your current career trajectory is, if any, and to kind of follow that up or supplement it, um, have you ever had a dream job? And if so, what is it? Oh, that's the second part. I know it's loaded. um, It's loaded. Yeah, it's a loaded question, but we'll start with the trajectory. So as uh, as I mentioned earlier, I graduated with schools and degrees in uh, two engineering degrees, chemical and biomedical. Currently, I work as a global innovations platform leader for Procter & Gamble. And while that's very vague, to basically sum it up, what I do is I handle the engineering needs to help make sure that our company can meet our consumer demand. And that's specifically for our Downy product. So for any of our listeners, even you, Miriam, if you ever use Downy fabric softener to help make your clothes feel a little bit better. I do. I work on the team that helps make sure we can produce enough Downy so that we can meet our consumers' demands. Oh, wow. So, Very interesting. Yeah. And so I specifically support one of our uh, plants here in Ohio to make sure that any technical engineering needs they have, not to bore everyone, but everything's down to tanks and pumps, things you wouldn't consider in your everyday to day life when looking at a load of Downy. I look, at to, I look at the fact to make sure that we have the equipment and the needs to produce as much downy as our consumers want. 
Gotcha. And does your position also have to do with um, any kind of supply chain management? It does, actually. And not supply chain in the sense of I might be looking at everything from raw materials to when it hits the shelf at Walmart. Mm -hmm. My supply chain management is more of, hey, do we have enough of our raw materials on site? Do we have enough of our main ingredients on site to do what we need to do? And do we have enough packing speed? Like, can we put it in the bottles fast Mm -hmm. enough downstream? That's sort of my outlook on supply chain management in terms of whatever's happening on site in the plant. Do we have the capability of producing it from beginning to end? And if we don't, how do we fix it? Okay, gotcha. Very interesting. Yeah, I asked because I have a little bit of a background with supply chain management. And as you were Uh, describing it, I was like, there's definitely some kind of supply chain (laughs) going on within this position. But no, that makes a lot of sense. That's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah. And so that's where I kind of start out as right now. And that's where my role is. I'm growing into knowing the entire process, knowing how everything works, all the bits and bolts, how it ticks. And in terms of growth and trajectory, uh, within the next three to five years, I see myself going from sort of this introductory level of just managing one product at one level to managing products across our entire, uh, across the entire globe, actually. We have 11 plants, or we have a few plants that uh, make all this product. And so I would like to uh, be able to manage sort of the entire production across the globe. Oh, wow. Wow. Those are some big goals, but I, that sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a lot of responsibility as well. <laughs> it, it is. And I mean, to be fair, there are, uh, Procter & Gamble is already kind of bestowing me with that, with that level of responsibility. I am assisting yeah. with the making capacity in, um, in our plant here in Lima, Ohio, but I'm also now going to be dealing with, um, some of our, uh, coworkers out in Dendong, Vietnam. So I am slowly and steadily making my way to that goal by helping and assisting with projects across the globe. But throughout the next three to five years, I hope that my trajectory will take me somewhere where I am really taking a larger amount of responsibility for the global production of Downey and a few other products that we have. Well, that's great to hear. Congratulations. This sounds like an amazing opportunity for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. Great. And then for that last second half of the question, um, do you have a dream job? I do. I do. And it's actually very similar to my current one, but I would actually like to be doing the same thing that I'm doing, but for bio, biopharma pharmaceutical companies, actually, something like Merck, Pfizer, oh. um, AstraZeneca, because sort of medicine and the benefits that it provides people were the reason why I got that second degree in general. I wanted to do something in the medical in terms of engineering and process control, because mm-hmm. um, let's be honest, if COVID-19 has done anything, it's thrown into our view how critical it is that we can make vaccines and we can make drugs and medicine at a affordable Absolutely. and wide, widely available sort of scale. And being someone who now understands what it takes to do that, it's not an easy process. And for, for what, what uh, Pfizer and uh, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, um, Moderna, what they've achieved in such short time is impressive, uh, bordering on impossible. So that would honestly be my dream job is taking what I'm doing now, but doing it to provide a service and a product that ideally helps people all around the world. I mean, don't get me wrong, Downey's great. 
I also um, have worked on Tide Pods <laughs> as well and all those other things we use in our day-to-day household. But working on something like a device, a medical device or medicine that, you know, could save someone's life is a whole nother level of sort of giving back and commitment to to our society. Yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. And I mean, honestly, I think it's incredible that your dream job is so similar to your current job. That's absolutely incredible. So once again, like hats off to you um, and definitely seems like something that's super realistic for you. So I would 100% say keep going for it. You do not seem like you're far off at all. Yeah, no, I've been I've always been more of a realistic person. So I know the goals I set for me are well within my achievable boundaries. So it's it's something I'm hoping for, you know within the next five, 10 years, hopefully in a career path or trajectory. Wow. Well, that sounds great. That's super good. I have never been, I think I'm realistic to a certain point, but then there's also a small part of me that I let kind of get ahead of myself a bit. <laughs> um, but I think it's really good that you have these realistic expectations. Yeah. yeah. You know, most of our listeners are in college and I'm sure that they're all at some point or another, going to have to start looking into internships and potential career paths. I was wondering if you could shed some light on some of your past internship experiences that helped you um, land your current job. Yeah, of course. So my first internship was after my freshman summer, was after my freshman year, excuse me, in college. I, um, yeah, oh, that wow. freshman summer, I worked for uh, Bloomberg LP. I Oh, nice. I interned for Bloomberg. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I worked for them. I wasn't doing anything fancy or anything like engineering for them. I actually worked in their global philanthropy and engagement department. So I helped with all of the uh, money they give to nonprofits and organizations across the world. So I was managing, uh, managed a couple million dollars worth of uh, nonprofit investments there. But after that summer, that was when I really got into my engineering internships. And the next two summers, I interned consecutively with Procter & Gamble. And that obviously led to my full-time offer. And I never really left because the work that I was doing there was, was, uh, it was valid. It was actual work. Um, unlike what I was doing at Bloomberg, it was kind of, you know, it was busy work. And it didn't feel too as important or as impactful at times. But with what I was doing mm-hmm. at Procter & Gamble, I can very holistically say that it felt no different than what I'm doing here as a full-time hire. I just get paid more now. But... <laughs> Yeah, oh, wow. but it, it, those, those internships were meaningful and they were, they were worthwhile. And as advice to any of our listeners who are in college and who are looking at internships, it always make sure that the projects you're, you're doing are projects that are meaningful and they have some sort of impact or connect to a business need because if they don't, if they don't have a connect to a business need or some sort of level of importance, then it may not be the most impactful thing and it may not be the best use of your time those projects really should have some sort of business goal and some business drive so that whatever impact you're making is long lasting. You can really be proud of the work that you've done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also a big point with that as well is making sure that it's relevant to what you actually want to do. And I've said it a million times before, and I'll say it another million times, but internships really are like shopping periods. And it's not just for the company to decide if they like you. It's for you to really get a sense of the role and kind of figure out what it is that you actually enjoy spending your time doing. And that's why I think that they're so important, especially for college students. Um, It's kind of like a trial period to see what it would be like before you would actually start full time and commit to a position like that. And I agree with you 100% on that. I don't think I could have said it better. I know that personally, when I was going through Carnegie Mellon and I was looking at what I wanted to do with my future, I had a few options in front of me. With my degrees, I could really easily go into research and development, 
R and D sort of bench scale mm-hmm. lab test. And I did some I did some time in a lab. I looked at um, trying to make a connection between obesity and food colors that we see in our everyday life, like the food colors used Skittles and M and M's. And while I loved the work that I did, I really found out that the internships that I had gone through and the work I'd done in my internships and in industry were much, much better suited for my needs. And the companies that I was looking at and working for were much, much better suited for what I wanted to do with my life. So I agree. It's to any of our viewers, explore the possibilities, use the research and use research or use internships as an opportunity to really do some soul searching almost and sort of find out what you want to commit <laughs> yep. the next Maybe it's five years for you before you switch it up, 10, 15, 20, six months. Do some soul searching to really figure out what you want to commit yourself to once you get out of college, because that's a question that no one else besides yourself can really answer. Because if you're at a job that you don't like or a position you don't like, it makes each day really, really difficult. But if you find something you can commit, dedicate, yourself to and you really love it it really does it really does feel like you're you're sort of cruising through life at that point so internships and research should definitely be taken as some sort of opportunity to really explore what you care about and what you want to do with with uh, with the lot with the knowledge and the learning that you're getting from school yeah wow incredibly well said and i completely agree all right well, I think that that was actually all of the questions that I have for you. But before we end off over here, do you have any questions for me or any last tidbits, comments, questions, or concerns? I would say one thing, at least to our viewers or listeners who are tuning in and listening to the podcast is, if you're in school, figure out what you want to do. Take your time. I know it's difficult. Day-to-day lives are controlled mainly by homeworks, projects, quizzes, and assignments. but if you get a free moment to yourself, don't forget to look at the bigger picture. I made that mistake a lot because going to Carnegie, I didn't have a lot of free time to myself, especially with the majors I had chosen. But I did remember my senior year to really take a step back and look at the bigger picture and see what I wanted to do with my life. And I think that that really saved me from making us a lot of poor decisions with what I wanted to do with my future and how I wanted to, you know, dedicate my time and my efforts in terms of jobs and what I wanted to do in my free time. So don't lose the the sight of the bigger picture and what you want to do with your future, because in the end, it really is in your hands. And you take a good, hard look at it. You really can make the best of it and the most of it every single day. So take a look at the bigger picture. Yeah, I love that. Take a look at the bigger picture. I think oftentimes we completely forget to do that, even out of school and being full-time professionals. Um, So it's always good to kind of have that reminder and remember to, you know, take a step back, breathe, and kind of refocus and realign and figure out exactly where it is that you're headed. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Sheree, thank you so much for joining me. I've loved our conversation and getting to know more about you and your career, um, as well as your position here at Snowcap. So thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, And I hope that you enjoyed your time on as well. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me, Miriam. I really appreciate it. This was great. And hopefully we can do it again. Yes, hopefully. I hope so. I'm always looking for new volunteers for the podcast. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.